0: During the 11th century, King Henry III of Bavaria got so tired and weary of running the kingdom. He was frustrated, and he was angry, and he could not cope anymore. So he thought, what's the answer? He decided to become a monk. So he went to the local monastery and met with the head prior, Prior Richard. And he said to him, he said, I want to join your monastery, sign me on. Prior Richard looked at him and he said, do you realize that first and foremost, the number one rule in this monastery is complete obedience? He said, yes, I knew that, and I am here to submit myself to you in obedience as you obey Christ. Prior Richard looked at the king in the eye, and he said to him, he said, Your majesty, your first act of obedience is to go back to your throne and be faithful in serving in the place where God has called you. Go back to your throne and be faithful in the place where God has placed you. You know, through the years, I have met people who have been in regret in their life, thinking that maybe someday back when they were younger, God had called them into a full-time ministry, and that they did not obey God. And they're living now their life in regret. Should I have done that? Was that a call of God? Did I turn it down? I have a very simple answer. Don't ever live in that regret because God always gets His man. You don't have to worry about it. God always gets His woman. God always calls. When He calls, He's going to bring people. So don't live in regret. And even today, I face people. I see people who would come to me and say, especially if the storms of life is caving in on them, and the difficulties and the circumstances, and and they're unable to cope anymore, they would come and say, Michael, do you think God is calling me to a full-time ministry? I said, I don't know. (laughs) All I know is if He's calling you to a full-time ministry, you will not be able to escape it. So keep doing what you're doing until God makes it clear. Here's the reality. Most often… The very heart of obedience is doing exactly what God has called you to do. The very heart of obedience is to be faithful where God has placed you. Often, your most effective witness for Christ can be accomplished where God has placed you now. At this very moment. Often, your greatest ministry is in your school or in your workplace or in your community right now. Often, the greatest sacrifice is not to flee from where God has placed you. Often, your greatest act of obedience is to do exactly and to be exactly where God has called you to be right now. We have begun a series of messages entitled, They Were Just Like Us, with the list in the epistle to the Hebrews, where through the years have become known as Faith Hall of Fame. Hebrews chapter 11, as we continue in the series of messages, they were just like us in every way. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended As a righteous man, when God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, he still speaks, even though he's dead. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to comprehend this one and only sermon that has been preached by this man Thousands and thousands of years ago. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The question people have asked for the ages is this. How did Abel know what sacrifice that is acceptable to God, and why didn't Cain? And that's a great question. It really is. And the answer is this. It's very simple, but don't miss it. I want you to listen to me carefully. The answer is simple. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, this obeyed God, and then they tried to run away from God, and God caught up with them. Before God threw them out of the Garden of Eden, He basically slain an innocent lamb, shed the blood of that lamb, and gave them a covering for their nakedness. And from that moment on, Adam and Eve wanted... obey God. They understood several things about their sin. God wanted them to know that their sin is costly. God wanted them to know that an innocent blood had to be shed for the payment of their sins. God wanted them to know that sin has to be redeemed by the shedding of blood. Of course, God was painting a picture for the future of the coming of the most innocent Lamb of all, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the shedding of His own blood on the cross of Calvary, so that whomsoever might come to Him may receive salvation, may receive forgiveness, may receive peace and joy. And there is no doubt that Adam and Eve learned that very important lesson of that shedding of a blood of a lamb as the only acceptable way to come to a holy and righteous God. And they taught this to their children as the only acceptable form of worship. And later on, of course, in the days of Moses, that was institutionalized and the shedding of a lamb and the Day of Atonement and the rest of it. Adam and Eve's boys, Cain and Abel, no doubt have watched their parents worshiping God God's way. Their boys, Cain and Abel, must have watched their parents obeying God this time God's way. These two boys watched how mom and dad were now more anxious to obey God, to serve God, to please God, God's way, not their own way. And so, one of the two sons, Abel, decided to follow mom and dad's example of godliness, of obedience. But Cain decided that he is going to worship God his own way, that he's going to come to God in his own terms. And you've heard a lot of people say that. You know, I can worship God on the golf course, as I do in a church. Have you heard that? There's nothing wrong with that, but I'll tell you what's wrong with it. Most of the people who make that statement don't worship God on the golf course. (laughs) They really don't. It's a good excuse, and it's a good put-off. Which reminds me, by the way, of a a minister of a small town who was a golf addict. And um, one morning, Sunday morning, he got up called the deacon. He said, deacon, I'm sick. Can you preach today for me? And the deacon said, well, okay, I'll preach. And then he got up and started getting dressed. His wife said, what are you doing? You just called the deacon. He told him you're sick. He said, oh, yes, but uh, I really want to play golf. She said, how are you going to do that? What if somebody sees you? He said, no, don't worry. So he drove long distance from home, and he went to the next county. And then he started, but just began to tee off. And two angels showed up, and one angel said, should we give him a hole-in-one? He said, no, he can't do that. He'll just lie to his deacon. He shouldn't be here. He should be at church. He said, uh, let's send it to the rough. He said, no, 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 give him a hole-in-one. He said, you can't give him a hole-in-one. I said, no, no, let's give him a hole-in-one. He said, why? He said, just think about this. Who is he going to tell? <laughs> yeah. All right, now I just got all the golfers against me today. (laughs) Today, the descendants of Cain are all those who think that all the roads lead to God. Those who think that all religions are the same. All those who think that they don't have to obey the Word of God in order to be acceptable to God. Uh, All those who feel that they don't have to accept Jesus as the only Savior of their life in order to make it to heaven. All the descendants of Cain are those who think that they can live their life any which way they want to. And uh, as long as they're not committing so-called big sins, they will be all right. They're the descendants of Cain. And the reason Abel was highly commended in the New Testament, the reason why Abel was praised in the New Testament, the reason why the example of Abel has been living for thousands and thousands and thousands of years is because he wanted to express his faith in God in complete obedience. He wanted to obey God fully. He wanted to come to God God's way. He wanted to come to God on God's terms. He wanted to come to God God's way. And that is why Hebrews chapter 11 verse 4 said, by faith, not by feelings, which dominates our culture, and not by fancy, not by fear, no, by faith, Abel, by faith. In the last message, you saw that biblical faith only expresses itself. In obedience to God. Total obedience. But you need to understand something here that is of vital importance. Abel was not perfect. There's some people probably get this image that Abel was a kind of a good-at-your-shoes kid and, and Cain was a wild boy. Listen, Abel was not different from Cain. I'm going to explain to you in a minute. Because both of them were born... Both Cain and Abel, they were born after sin has entered into the heart of their parents, Adam and Eve. And therefore, they were conceived, like all of us, by sin, are born with sin. Both had the same sin nature. Both had the same inclination towards sinning and going their own way. Both had the same limitations both knew what is the right way and what is the wrong way. And since faith comes by hearing, Abel believed the teaching of mom and dad and obeyed God, but Cain didn't. That's another important thing that I don't want you to miss. There is nothing intrinsically wrong with offering God the grains and the fruit. So The Bible said, Abel came, and offered a lamb, shed a lamb's blood, offer a sacrifice to God, and God accepted that. But then Cain was offering fruit, and he was offering grains. There is nothing that is intrinsically wrong with the grains, because later on, when God communicated His law to Moses, among other things, there is what they call grain offering, grain offering. So there's nothing wrong with the gift itself. In fact, I have a hunch that Cain's sacrifice probably was greater than Abel's. I have a hunch that Cain's sacrifice possibly was more expensive than that of Abel's. I just think possibly Cain's sacrifice may have been more impressive than that of Abel's. Cain's sacrifice possibly have been more in abundance. Cain's sacrifice probably been more generous than that of Abel's. You say, well, what's the difference? Why would God accept Abel's sacrifice, but he rejects Cain's? Ah, the difference is very simple, and it is this. Abel sacrificed in obedience. And that's, beloved, what faith is all about. He gave to God what God wanted, not what he wanted to give God. In the epistle of Jude... One chapter, and there in verse 11, he talks about the way of Cain. He said, what is the way of Cain that the epistle of Jude talks about? It is the way of self-will. It is the way of religious hypocrisy. It is the way of dead rituals. It is the way of self-pleasing. It is the way of playing God. It is the way that represented in dead religion. Cain's way represented empty religious activities. Cain's way represented religious fanaticism. And it is not surprising, my beloved friends, that both Abel and the Lord Jesus Christ were both killed by religious fanatics. Religious fanaticism has been killing Christian believers all over the world. Recently, we got an email from a representative of Leading the Way in a country in which I will not mention. He told us that a pastor, and all pastors in that church are all underground, a pastor came home, found his wife strangled to death by religious fanatics. You see, God's way It's not religious fanaticism. God's way is obedience to the living God through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's it. So the question that each of us must ask is this. Lord, am I obeying You fully? Lord, am I obeying Your Word? Lord, am I obeying Your command? Lord, am I obeying your instructions? Lord, am I walking by faith or am I walking by sight? Are my eyes fixed on eternity or am I living for today? They were just like us. Abel was like us. He had all the weaknesses and the frailties and the failures of all of us. But I have no doubt that Abel was just as sinful as his brother Cain, maybe even more so. Cain probably would be the kind of guy who would be described as a good man today, by our standards. Cain probably was a likable guy, probably more likable than Abel. I mean, he was the fun of the party. Probably he was the kind of guy who was on everyone's cocktail invitation list. Cain probably would be the kind of guy who was amiable. Cain probably was the kind of guy who was admired. He was a go getter. He was an initiator. Oh, he was the fun guy. Cain probably was the kind of guy who was a philanthropist. Remember, I told you in the last message that you can sacrifice without obedience, but you cannot obey without sacrificing? You see, it's right here. He would be probably the kind of guy who would give money to save the environment. He would probably be the kind of guy who would give money to save the endangered species. And who knows? Now, I have no evidence of this, but I get this picture of this guy. Because after he killed his brother, the Bible said he went out and built a city. Man, he was the urban dude before they ever existed. That was Cain. But these are not necessarily the qualities that God is looking for. God looked down, and he saw faith that expressed itself in obedience. And he says, Abel is my man. Listen carefully, please. You know, and I know, and if you don't know, I hope you know now, (laughs) that you can never come to God through works. All of your works, all of my works will never get us to God. Only faith and grace of God bring us to God. But having come to God, the Bible said, now, prove your love for God by obeying Him. And that obedience... Made able to be an effective witness for God. For how long? All of history. Thousands of years. <laughs> although he was cut down by his envious and angry brother in his prime while he was still young, although he did not have children. To carry his name, although he did not have a monument that people can visit and remember him by, although he did not leave a legacy for people to remember him with, although he did not leave a fortune for his children and grandchildren to spend, although he did not leave a dynasty to enshrine him, although He was cut down in his prime. Oh, but the God who sees the very secrets of our hearts, the God who knows all things, He made sure that this man's obedience is testifying to him for history, all of history. God made sure that this man's obedience of faith is reserved for all the ages to hear. This man's faith was made sure by God that his sacrifice of faith is enduring all the time. Although Abel has been dead for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, the Bible said he still preaches. He still speaks. His one and only sermon that he's ever preached has been proclaimed all the world over. His testimony is living In the hearts of millions of people for thousands of years. His example of obedience inspired millions of people for thousands of years. His life of faith has encouraged millions of people for thousands of years. His sacrificial love for his Lord is enshrined in a testimony for all ages. Though he's dead, he still speaks. And he still preaches that same sermon, three-point sermon. (laughs) What's Abel's three-point sermon? Here they are. You can take it, and you can preach it, and you don't have to give him credit. That man can come to God only by faith, not by works. That man must accept God's revelation and not his own wisdom to be saved. And thirdly, that obedience is rewarded and rebellion is judged. I think that's a great three points, aren't you? And as you know, I love to give illustrations, whether it be from history or biography, whatever it may be. As I was thinking, at least there were half a dozen examples from biographies that I have read through the years of the great men and women of God were going through my head. Which one do I use to illustrate my point here today? Here's on my computer, popped up <laughs> an email right there on my screen, of live, today, example of obedience of faith. And as I read that email, I must confess to you, I wept, and I wept, and then I said, I wonder whether I can share this with you. I asked that person's permission to share it with you. I'm going to read to you parts of that email to encourage you. As I listened to your sermon this morning, I knew that I was getting an answer to two prayers that I have been putting before the Lord for a long time. The first is what I already told you about, walking by faith. The second, the finances that the Lord has given me that are in my saving accounts and how to be used as He desires and not for my false security that I may have for my future. It is very possible I may not see retirement. Whether I do or not, I only share the following, because I think God spoke it to my heart. And I do so to encourage you. I have roughly $28,000 total in my saving account. So I called the people at Leading the Way today and asked them, what is the cost of the production, just the production, for just one Arabic program for a year? And they said to me, 26,634. And continued, it would be my great privilege to underwrite that so that the message can go to the persecuted church. The longer I walk with the Lord, the more I see how much we, in all our comfort, need to grow from their faith and the faith of those saints. It is sweet of the Lord to let me have that amount in my savings. Listen to me very carefully, please. I did not read this to you in order to send you on a guilt trip. I read this for a reason. I want to show you. That obedient faith is alive and well in this church. And I don't know what God is calling you to do. I don't know what you've been closing your ears to the Lord about. I don't know what you're dragging your feet in. I don't know what God is saying to you, but God is speaking to you. To some of you who have never committed your life to Jesus Christ, He may be calling you to come and receive Him as the Savior of your Lord. You may come and surrender your pride and make Him the Savior and Lord of your life. For those of you who know the Lord, God may be speaking to you about something. Whether to be able to open your mouth for the first time and testify to your salvation, his salvation through you, whatever it may be, you know it. I don't know it. I know what God says to me. And I know the times when I drag my heels. And I know you do. Whatever he is saying to you today, say, Lord, I want to walk of faith, I want to be obedient. I don't want to just go around saying I'm a Christian and I'm a Christian. I want to prove my Christianity by my obedience to your command in my life. Father, it is impossible for us to do anything that will even come close to the incredible sacrifice that you, Father, made when you looked down upon that cross and saw your Son bleeding to death in order that He might satisfy your justice, in order that He might pay for the consequences of my sin. He took my cross. He took my pain on that cross. And so, Father, I now come to you with these, your people, and we cry to you for one thing. For those of us who are in disobedience, break us that we may become obedient. Father, for those of us who continue to reject your message of love, wake us up before it's too late. Father God, I pray for that individual who's hurting and allowing that hurt to cloud their vision of you. That they will come to know you as their deliverer. Father, I pray for that person who is bitter and carrying grudges and hatred in their heart. They have never been able to forgive. In Jesus' name, I pray that your power will come and get them to surrender so that they may know that you are a God who always, always, always keeps his word, keeps his promises. For I pray that in the mighty name of Jesus.